Welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hemmerker. In each episode, she'll talk with your favorite romantic suspense authors. They will take you behind the scenes of the writing process, giving excerpts from their writing, and share stories about their writing life. Hello, and welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hemmerker, and I'm so glad you joined me. This episode, you're going to hear about this month's new releases in Christian Romantic Suspense. I hope you will enjoy hearing from your favorite Romantic Suspense authors as they talk about the background of their latest books. And next up, we have author Patsy Conway with Theme Park Abduction. So welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So we're just going to dive right into some questions so our listeners can get a, a taste of what uh, theme park abduction is about. Why did you pick your heroine's name? So my heroine is named Rebecca Salmon, and Salmon is actually a family name on my father's side. He was born and raised in Ireland, and so it's sort of an older family name, and I'm really excited to, to use that. And then Rebecca is just a name that I, I really liked. I thought it worked well with the character. Oh, that's great. I love, I love sneaking in those family, family connections in our work. So what is holding your hero back from finding love? So our hero, Jake Foster, um, he's really been in love with Rebecca for many years, going back to they were uh, friends in high school. He was friends with her older brother. And when he came back from overseas, Rebecca had moved on. And so Jake had a really tough time, and he moved from New England down to Florida and tried to get her out of his mind, but he really never could. And so now he's back with Rebecca, and things are starting to, um, to, to work with her, but he's also getting caught up in the fact that he's not telling her the complete truth about why he's there to protect her. Oh, well, of course. All right, <clears throat> now let's move on to the villain of your story. What's the last book or movie your villain read or watched? Yeah, this was fun to think about. I, I was thinking that um, our, our villain, our main villains are work for the cartel, and I think they would really be all about um, Scarface or some kind of movie like that that's got um, lots of gunfire, lots of suspense. Um, so I just really pictured them loving and reciting all the lines from Scarface. Yeah, oh, that, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. So um, now let's talk about the story's setting. Why did you pick this particular setting for your book? Yeah, so a theme park, I think we all love, you know, theme parks can be the most wonderful place in the world, but, you know, that roller coaster or that water slide, you know, if something goes wrong with a ride or something, you know, breaks down, it can be very scary very quickly. And so in this story, the, the idea that, you know, if a child goes missing in this huge crowd of people, there's mm-hmm. really nothing more frightening for, for a single mom um, and, and, and the protector than, than that scenario. And then if you up the stakes there and there's a cartel involved, um, it's even more scary. Yeah. Oh, that does sound, does sound very scary. Um, I'm never going to look at a theme park the same way again, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so and where did the idea, what, what is the genesis of this story? How did you, you know, how did you come to write this particular book? Sure. So, you know, in my life, I was at a theme park with my family. My son is uh, autistic, and he ran away. And it was the scariest moment I had as a parent. Mm. And I started to think, what would happen if we took this child and put him in a situation where not only he ran away, but then he was kidnapped? Um, But what we've also worked in for this story is to have 
riddles that he was solving that only he can solve, and now he's not there. And so Rebecca and Jake have to solve these riddles in order to save their child. Ooh. Now that's exciting, too. All right. Wow. I think you're building definitely interest in your book here. I know. Like I said, I'm going to have to add another book to my to-do list, to-read list. It's getting way too high. Uh, let's, let's, um, let's wrap this up with what's one thing you want your readers to know about theme park abduction? Yeah, so I, I, you know, a lot of what I've read is people said they love like a treasure hunt kind of story, and I found that inspirational as I tried to, to tell this story. There's a series of clues that have to be solved sort of throughout the book. And it's sort of like an escape room scavenger hunt kind of story where they have to solve these clues in order to save uh, the missing child. And all the time they're on the run from the cartel. So there's a lot going on set against the backdrop of a theme park. So if you like going to theme parks and you like treasure hunt kind of stories, you're going to really like this book. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's a great way to end our, our time together. So thanks for being on my show. Thank you so much. Next up, I'm talking with romantic suspense author Karen Rondu in her book, From Chaos. So welcome to my show, Karen. Thank you so much. So we're going to dive right in and start talking about your heroine. So how does she feel about love at the beginning of your story? Well, my heroine is Kelsey, and she wants love secretly, but she doesn't believe it's safe to get too close to anyone because she's a fugitive and has been for two years. So at the beginning of the book, she's considering backing away from Greg because they've been friends for eight months and she thinks they're getting too close. Right. They get thrown yeah. together by <laughs> sorry. They no, get no, thrown no, together saying... by witnessing a murder. Mm. And then their love grows from there. So what is holding your hero back from finding his own love or finding love with your heroine? Well, Greg's first wife left him by going on vacation with her parents. And then she sent him divorce papers soon after that. So Mm. since then, he's covered up his heartache by indulging in extreme sports and one-night stands with women. But he knows Kelsey is different than the others. And he's working on being worthy of someone like her. Yeah, that romantic tension. I can feel it. I can feel it jumping off the page (laughs) at me. So let's talk about your villain, because romantic suspense books always have a bad guy or bad woman. So who or what does your villain love the most? And feel free to use uh, generic pronouns to cover the identity, if that's important to your story. Okay. Well, the villain of the story loves power. And they love it more than anything or anyone, and is willing to go to any length to get it, and to retain it. And anyone who steps out of line is a goner. And Kelsey and Greg discover that in the first chapter. Ooh, you set him up for uh, for uh, that, that other tension, the suspense tension right away. That's, that's good. <clears throat> so now if the, sitting, the setting is a fictitious place, and I think it is based on your choice of the question, what, what did you base it on? Um, I... Well, it's the farming community of Peach Blossom, Oklahoma, which is fictional. And it's located near a real town called Tahlequah, which is the home of the Cherokee Nation. And I lived mm. in Oklahoma for, for a little while, and I was just absolutely captivated by the Cherokee culture. And it's not hard to see there because it's written on the sidewalk in downtown. 
all around this mm. one building. It's just the, the history and culture of the Cherokee Nation. So I highlighted some of the Cherokee art in the first book, and the Peach Blossom Orchard, also fictional, is the home of both heroines in the first and the second book in the Peach Blossom okay. Romantic Suspense series. So there's a little bit of reality in your fictitious place. Yes. <laughs> good. <clears throat> That's always good. Um, so what do you think is the underlying positive message of your story? No matter what is your background or your past mistakes, you are worthy of love. And God will heal you so you can love and be loved. Oh, I love that. That's a great positive message that I think we all need to hear more than once during our lifetime. <laughs> Definitely. True. <laughs> So what's one thing you want readers to know about From Chaos? If you like an exciting and a suspenseful thrill ride that's wrapped up in a heartwarming story, then From Chaos is the book for you. Well, that's a great endorsement. So listeners, run out and get your copy of From Chaos by Karen Rondu. Um, thank you so much for being on my show today, Karen. It's my pleasure, and thank you for having me. And next up, we have Rebecca Hopewell with her book, High Stakes Blizzard. So welcome to my show, Rebecca. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. All right, we're going to dive right in so you can hear all about her book, How Does the Heroine Feel About Love at the Beginning of the Story? So Rain is very wary of love because of the losses she suffered in her immediate family. Okay. And I'm guessing that the hero maybe can overcome that, but that's another. That's you have to read the book to find out. So, <laughs> what's your hero's greatest fear? So this is a second chance at first love story. So David fears getting hurt a second time by Rain. He felt like she blindsided him the first time, and so he's trying to keep his distance, but they're not in a situation where he can keep his distance. Oh, good, good, yeah. Got to get that tension up. Uh, so who or what does your villain love the most? Because we know that our villains are not one-dimensional. They're, they're multidimensional like real people. So, so what's, what does your villain yeah. love? So there is actually a moment where um, Rain sees him, the villain, as a person or gets a glimpse of that because my villain actually loves his family. And though he doesn't mm. always make the best choices when it comes to them, and, there's a, and she gets a glimpse and has to make some um, moral decisions because, of, because this villain also has a family. Oh, oh good one. Um, and why did you pick the story setting? Um, well, when I knew um, I was going to write a mountain rescue book, um, that I immediately was drawn to the Tahoe area because it gets some of the biggest snowfalls in the nation. So I thought it was a perfect place for a winter adventure with lots of snow. Um, and, you know, the, um, it really makes the survival element of it heightened oh yeah yeah definitely um and what is the underlying positive message of this story um so i think it was alfred lord tennyson that said 
to it is better to have loved and lost than never uh, to have loved at all. And mm-hmm. this is the theme. Um, this theme is part of both Rain's and David's journey, um, their emotional journey as they work their way through the book. Oh, I'm getting interested just as I'm listening to this. Okay, so um, great. What, yeah. I want to read everything. Um, what's one thing you want readers to know? I know, it's, it's terrible. So we're going to close with what's one thing you want readers to know about your book, High Stakes Blizzard? So this is, as I mentioned, a second chance at first love romance, and it's got plenty of emotion and action and survival um, elements, and it takes place in the Sierra Nevada mountains in a blizzard. I mean, what could be better? I'm getting a cup of hot cocoa, and I'm going to go get it. So (laughs) anyway, thank you for being on my show, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. And next up, we have Lynn Shannon, who's talking about her new book, Tactical Force. So welcome to my show, Lynn. Thanks for having me. So we're just going to dive right in and start talking about your heroine. What did she want to be when she grew up, and did she become that person? She always wanted to be in law enforcement, and my heroine, Haley, achieves her dream, but an injury takes it away, and she's dealing with the aftermath of that. Oh, yeah, that's hard when we think we've got what we want, and then suddenly we can't do that anymore. Tension, yay. Yeah, it's hard to pivot, (laughs) yeah. So what is your... Um, failing the ones he loves. Walker, mm. my hero, blames himself for his sister's death. And even though he's a Navy SEAL, he still worries that he won't be able to keep his loved ones safe. Okay. Yeah. More tension. So let's, let's pivot yeah. to your villain because romantic suspense, they've got to have bad people in it. So who or what does your villain love the most? The heroine. He's obsessed with her and has been since she was in high school. Ooh, this is not going to end well. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, we don't want to give anything away, but you can just tell. Um, so what about the story setting? Why did you choose that particular um, setting for your story? Well, I adore small towns, especially small Texas towns with cowboys and horses, I love having those as backdrops to my story, and Tactical Force is no different. Oh, wonderful. Um, And for you, what was the easiest part of writing this book, this story? It was the hero. Um, Since Tactical Force is the last book in the series, I've been thinking about Walker and his story for the longest time, and I'm really Uh, excited to write it. Yeah, it's kind of nice to get that out of your head, huh? Yeah, and and it's wonderful to give it to the readers. Yeah, it's wonderful to give it to the readers. They're excited about it, too. That's great. So last question, what's one thing you want readers to know about Tactical Force? Well, I have a lot of suspense in my book, so don't start reading it right before you go to bed. Otherwise, you might not be able to put it down to get some sleep. You've been warned. (laughs) I love that, Lynn. That's a great way to end it. So you've heard her, folks. Be careful when you start Tactical Force. Well, thank you for being on my show, Lynn. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. 
And next up, we have Jessica R. Pat. She's going to talk about her latest romantic suspense, A Cry in the Dark. So welcome to my show, Jessica. Thank you. It's so good to be here, Sarah. I appreciate it. So we're going to talk um, about some of the characters, the hero and the heroine in A Cry in the Dark. For the heroine, why did you pick her name? This is a fun question. Uh, Her name, I picked her name. I didn't really pick her name. I think her father picked her name. And when she was born, she could not stop crying until her father held her. And when her father held her, she quieted. But her little face was so purple from all the screaming that he named her Violet. And it stuck. I do like the name Violet. It's very nice. Um, And so for your hero, what's holding him back from finding love? His wife had a very dangerous job in the DEA, and she was murdered. And what's holding him back with Violet is she has a very dangerous job, and she's not at all afraid of going into that danger. So he sees a lot of similarities between her and the wife that he lost, and he has a three-year-old daughter. So he has to be protective of her and himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a feeling that that's going to create some lovely romantic tension in your book. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's let's switch to the villain or the antagonist in your story. What's your villain's favorite song? I think his favorite song is The Police Every Breath You Take. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> is such a creepy song. Watching you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably his favorite song. That's most certainly his theme song. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm glad you said that because I hear that song now on the radio. I didn't really like it when it was new and I was a teenager and hearing it. But now I'm like, that's just a really creepy stalker song. So that's perfect for a villain to like. And it's been, <laughs> it is. And it's been redone into a very stalkerish sounding um, tone. <laughs> so I listen to it yeah. sometimes when I'm writing. Yeah, to get in that yeah that dark place that we need to go so that we can shed the light on it. So um, let's talk about the setting a little bit. How did you use the setting to move your story forward? Okay, well, this story is set in the Appalachian Mountains in an East Kentucky holler. And the holler itself, they are very tight-knit community, and it's holding very dark secrets. And... It's interesting because it moves the it moves the story forward by holding them back in the investigation mm. and keeping them there, and it also mimics the the dark spiritual darkness that is happening um, that's going on inside Violet and throughout the villains, and so it's it's kind of its own character in this story. I've mm. never done a setting where it's become its own character with its own personality but this little holler definitely it's night holler and it's definitely very dark okay and so now we need to know what's the underlying positive message of your story because i know it's not all darkness there is that um light of christ in this story so tell us what that is absolutely there is and that's why i'm so glad to be able to talk about the positive message because it is a very dark story and there are some tough scenes Uh, to read. Nothing that I would consider super graphic, but they can be disturbing and tough. And the underlying positive message is that you are never alone and that the two things, divine providence, that God will lead you into tough places to reveal bright truth and also that Mm. we can be rescued in our darkness, that it doesn't matter how dark 
we think the moment is. And because darkness seems like it has its moment. When they crucified Christ, it was you get your one moment of darkness, and that is it. And that's this point. It looks like a lot of darkness into this one moment where God bursts in and rescues those who cry in the dark. And there's so many in this holler crying out in darkness. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And so we're going to end our time together with what's one thing you want readers to know about a cry in the dark? I want readers to know that this is not a love-inspired suspense. It's not an extended love-inspired suspense, which means that it's not as safe a book in the terms of it will be grittier, it will be raw in elements, there will be more um, graphic violence in some places, but it is still very much a story about Jesus, the unconditional love of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you can hang with some of the darker stuff, uh, you're not going to be left depressed. You're going to be left with a whole lot of hope and a whole lot of Jesus. Oh, I love that, Jessica. So thank you for being on my show and sharing about A Cry in the Dark. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hi, and next I have Dana Mintink. She's going to talk about Targeted in the Desert. So welcome to my show, Dana. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Now, if your heroine has or could have a pet, what would it be? And if she does have a pet, tell us its name. Well, she works in uh, Feral Donkey Rescue. So she's rescued a donkey named Bubbles, and the little Bubbles uh, had a little baby. So those are her pets, so to speak. (laughs) I love that. That's a that's a great name for a donkey. Yeah, a great name. Yeah. So, um, what is your hero's greatest fear? Well, the hero is Jude Duke. Uh, he is most afraid in the whole world of becoming his father. Ooh, yeah. I think we all can relate to that in yeah, some respects. Yeah. I family think family drama. <laughs> yeah, always at the family drama. Now, I know that when we're writing suspense, especially romantic suspense, there's, there's someone who's the bad guy, the villain. But I know that we don't write, write one-dimensional characters. So what's a one redeeming quality about your villain? Well, he is incredibly persistent. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I love that. That is a good quality. It, it can be both a good and a bad quality, can't it? It can be both a good and a bad quality. Yes, that's so true. What was the biggest challenge in writing the book? And I'm assuming, since your title is Target in the Desert, that it was writing about the desert plays a, a starring role in your story. Absolutely. It's set in Death Valley, actually. So Ooh. the challenge of that is, you know, it's a, it's a high desert climate, so pretty much May through October is inhumanly hot, like 113, mm. you know, 15, 30 degrees, 130 degrees. So you got to be mindful of that. There's not a lot of running around in those months, so it's a little bit tricky to get that plotted out without the ferocious heat playing, that, you know, kind of stymieing your action. Right. Sorry, we have to take a break from the running and the right, trying to get away hot. from you. Everyone sits down. <laughs> it's just too darn hot to chase that villain right now, you know? Yeah. So what was the genesis of this story? What made you, what was the seed that blossomed into Targeted in the Desert? Well, I think probably it goes back to just my trip to Death Valley. You know, that was the most incredible place I have ever seen. I mean, absolutely God-breathed and completely ferocious. Mm-hmm. So it just sort of got in my head that it would be a great place to set a series with a tightly knit family who's tough enough to survive there. 
Yeah, that sounds great. And uh, we're wrapping up our short, short quick takes interview with what's one thing you want readers to know about Targeted in the Desert? Well, I'd love for them to know it is book six in a six-book series. So they are welcome to start way back with number one, Framed in Death Valley, and work their way through all six. I think they'll enjoy the Duke family. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, thank you for being on my show, Dana. It was my pleasure. And now I'm talking with Danielle Grandinetti about her new book, Confessions to a Stranger. So welcome to my show, Danielle. Thanks for having me. So what did your heroine want to be when she grew up in this story? So my heroine, her name is Adelie, and she wanted to be her own person. Um, It sounds kind of cliche, I guess, but um, the family she grew up in was um, not something she wanted to continue to be a part of. So she was trying to... um, find her place within her family and within the world. So she went to college, which the story is set in 1930. So women going to college is not all that common. Um, and the story begins right after she finishes. And okay. it shapes who she becomes. Great. Um, and so let's talk about your hero now. Where does your hero grow up? He grows up in the town that the story takes place in. Uh, born, raised, um, fisherman, and has never been interested in leaving because he has too much uh, responsibility at home. Okay. I can see where the tension's going in this story. <laughs> uh, so, so I know when we talk in romantic suspense, there's a villain. So why did you p- pick this particular person to be a villain and understand that you're not going to give away who that is, but why this person? In weaving through the story, I didn't necessarily have this particular person picked out at the beginning. Um, it was, I tend to write uh, through discovery. So I discovered him um, or her to be the villain um, later in the story. So I'm hoping readers will have that same um, discovery as my main characters and I did. Oh, that, that's, that's great. And I kind of write like you, so sometimes I'm not sure who's going to be the bad person in my stories either. It's kind of fun for me to find out, too. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, so it makes it a fun, fun wait. It, it does, it does. So now let's talk about the setting. Um, mm-hmm. If this is a fictitious place that you set your story in, did you base it on a real place? And if so, what was that place? Um, it is fictitious. Uh, it's the town of Krosna which is where the, uh, the series takes place as well. Um, it's located on the eastern bank of Wisconsin, um, which is based on, obviously, real places like um, Sheboygan, um, Three Rivers, Manitowoc. It's, there's a whole stretch there. And I did a lot of research um, from the area between, like, Door County and uh, Port Washington, um, that, that stretch of uh, shoreline to... Um, we have my little island of a island of a uh, town, and oh. put it nestled it right in there. I love that. I think it's so much fun to plop fictitious places in the midst of real places. So <laughs> me too. Yeah. So how did where is the genesis of the story? How did how did this story begin for you as the writer? 
So this story um, actually comes out of uh, my background is in intercultural communication. Um, and my character, um, Adelie, her, her degree is in what um, used to be um, is in rhetoric and psychology before the communication department actually developed at um, University of Illinois. Um, so the, uh, there's a, a psychology idea that we tend to share our closest secrets with people that we don't really know. Why is this the case? I don't know. Um, they don't know, but that's the germ of the idea, the germ of the idea that um, oh. kicked off the story. So why right. my character, Adelie, comes to this town and all of a sudden people are sharing their secrets with her. <laughs> all right, that sounds definitely in sounds intriguing. So what is your book's tagline? This is, um, we'll wrap it up with that. Absolutely. Um, she lost her future. He sacrificed his. Now they have to, a chance to reclaim it together. Oh, I love that. Well, you can um, find out more about Danielle and her book, Confessions to a Stranger, and thanks for being on my show. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm so happy to be able to be here. Hi, and now we have Lynn Blackburn. She's going to be talking about her upcoming March release, Under Fire. So welcome to my show, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me. So we're going to dive right in and start talking about your heroine. Why did you pick, no, how does your heroine feel about love at the beginning of your story? So uh, she is, she's all for it, but she uh, feels like it's pretty hopeless. Her, uh, her heart belongs to someone who she doesn't think wants it. So um, she thinks she's messed up too much in life to have the happiness that she wants. So she's got a pretty hopeless outlook at the beginning. Mm. And so let's move on to our hero, who I'm guessing somehow will help her change her mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> romantic suspense. We all know we have happy endings. This is a good thing. So why did yes. you pick your hero's name? So his name is Zane, and I have always liked the name Zane. My grandfather was a big Zane Gray fan. Mm. And a couple of years ago, um, I was on, uh, my husband and I were on a trip to Catalina Island off of the coast of California, and Zane Gray had a house there. And mm. they, it was, you know, kind of like they would mention that that was his house. And so it kind of brought it back to my mind, and I thought, I should have a Zane. I like Zane. You know how sometimes names just kind of stick in your head? And so yep. that's where his name came from. Wonderful. So um, let's move on to the villain. Now, you, you can cloak his or her identity by using a plural pronoun. Well, this is perfectly fine. But tell me one redeeming quality about your villain. There's not a lot, but my villain is very committed to family. Mm. They make a lot of decisions based on their family and their responsibilities to their family. I wouldn't make the same decisions, but <clears throat> I can't appreciate the motivation there, trying to protect the yes. family. One, yes. That is a very yes. real motivation. I think we can all mm -hmm. 
maybe not endorse, but understand. Right, exactly, yes. And now let's talk. move to the setting. If it's a real place, what is one thing you change to fit this, about the setting to fit your story? So it is a real place. The, the, this series is set in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, but I did play with the main, just the main location uh, in the book. I created an estate. I did not think about it until after the book had already gone to print. But it's a little bit like um, oh, the movie with Reese Witherspoon, um, where she Melanie Carmichael, and it's the mm. um, Sweet Home Alabama. She pretends to be this. Um, she pretends that she's part of the Carmichael family and the Carmichael estate. And I have a Carmichael estate in ah. <laughs> uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And it does make me wonder because I never thought about it while I was writing it or during edits or anything. And then I saw the movie not too long ago and I thought, was that in the back of my mind? You know, you don't, I don't know. Yeah. It may have been. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I created the Carmichael estate. It's a very large estate in Raleigh, private estate. And the president of the United States is going to come and do a fundraiser there. Uh, so I did, I did play with, with Raleigh and it's uh, real places to create one that I needed. All right. Yeah. Well, we have to do it. We have to do. <laughs> that's, that's, yes. that's part of being a fiction writer. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about it. the, yeah. Um, let's talk about the storyline a little bit. What was the hardest part about writing this book? So I have a, a general policy that when I'm writing about law enforcement or the Secret Service or whomever, that I, I'm i not interested in painting my characters in a negative light. I want to be realistic. But also, mm-hmm. um, in a lot of cases, people have been very gracious and opened up to me and shared with me about their jobs and their organization. And I don't want to – I'm not interested in bad-mouthing them or anything like that. I want them to be competent and professional and good at what they do. And the Secret Service – you know, they kind of have a 100% policy. <laughs> you know, there's right. there's no room for 99% success. And so as I was writing this um, storyline, I wrote myself into a corner that I could not figure out how to get out of um, without making at least, without making my hero and heroine look kind of incompetent, which I mm. did not want to do. And of course, that was not okay. And I actually wound up having to reach out to my Secret Service contact and say, I need your help. This is what I've done. If this was the situation, if this was a real-life situation, what could I do that would still let me have – because the other thing is with romantic suspense, you need kind of a big ending, right? There's right. readers are expecting right. something big to happen. And it's like, I can't have all this buildup and not have something big happen. But in real life, the Secret Service would very much like it to be that way, right? Like, there's, yes, a, there's right. a threat. They neutralize yes. it. There's no big drama. Nobody ever even knows it's taken care of. But I right. needed the big drama for the story, but I needed it in a way that did not make my, my Secret Service agents appear to be incompetent like they hadn't done their job well. I needed it to be successful. And uh, we actually talked, he had, we talked for about 30, 45 minutes trying to figure out mm. how we were going to do it. And I actually had to leave that part of the story blank while I was writing it and leave it 
open until he could get back in touch with me and we could talk about it because I, I've never been that stuck in a story. I get stuck from time to time, but I've never been, I've never been that stuck. So, um, you know, people don't like the ending. <laughs> well, <laughs> Don't blame you. <laughs> don't blame me. No, it's, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. But, yeah, that was definitely the hardest part. Oh, well, all right, well, we're going to wrap up with um, what your book's, what Under Fire's tagline is to tantalize our readers. So what is it? All right, are you ready? Okay. Yep. She'll protect the president if it's the last thing she does, and it just might be. Da, da, da. All right, well, thanks for (laughs) being on my show, Lynn. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can sign up to receive notifications of upcoming podcasts and listen to previous editions at sarahhammakerfiction.com.